welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Premila Deck, who has amazing things to say about programs her company is offering, her firm, I guess, SD Family Services. And she's going to tell you a lot about it in a moment. So I'm a family lawyer with a law firm in Newton, Massachusetts, representing people through the hardest time of their lives, divorce. And Premila's company offers all the services that can surround the divorce world and help parents and children get through this difficult time. So welcome, Premila. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little about yourself, please. Sure. Um, I started as a family law attorney. I practiced in Massachusetts. I was also licensed in North Carolina. And I felt like I may have been part of the problem (laughs) when I was a litigator. And Mm -hmm. I realized that I wanted to preempt getting families into court and to do the best that I can. There's a time and a place for litigation and families in the adversarial setting is just really a tough spot. So I really started to lean with my mental health degree. So I have an LICSW, which in Massachusetts is the clinical licensure for a social worker. Um, And I also have a PhD in social work from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And the focus of my doctoral studies were really like, how do you help families who are in litigation um, yeah. who are, it, it's called forensic mental health. So really I'm providing mental health services in a legal setting. So, so desperately needed. I mean, the two big issues in divorces, if there are children are, you know, the financial issues, mm-hmm. which are asset division, asset valuing and division, and then how to handle the kid issues with kids potentially going back and forth between two households, parents who are not getting along, that's why they're getting divorced, and kids who are actually caught in the middle and parents who potentially have different ways of parenting children and who also have different um, potentially mental health issues of their own getting over their divorce right so let's talk about what kind of services I I called it a company I don't know what to call your your business was it a firm a company what do you think you know I honestly don't know either I think I think I sometimes say it's like a boutique clinical practice in Canton so we have offices in Canton and Woburn Massachusetts the goal is to be a one-stop shop for all things family law related for and i think your point is well taken we're not doing the financial component of divorce so all things related to families when they're going through the probate and family court process so um we have clients that come to us before they even have decided to divorce so we offer therapeutic services it's called discernment counseling so there may be clients who are like you know i have one foot out the door i'm not sure if this is right for me if this marriage is where i want to stay or this long-term relationship or what have you so we offer therapy for those those people and really talk through what would it look like to separate what would it look like to work on your marriage and then if they do decide to separate what are options that we have available to you? So typically we're seeing clients that do have children. So um, if they do decide to separate, we're trying to intervene really early by saying, okay, so now your family is going to be restructured. You're not going to be living together. You're not husband and wife anymore or wife and wife or what have you. You are now co-parents. And what does it look like to have a successful co-parenting relationship? So the goal is early intervention so that we're hoping to avoid children feeling stuck in the middle caught in loyalty binds, um, the research is quite clear that it's not divorce itself that leads to maladjustment for children post-separation of their parents. It's the conflict between their parents. And so whatever we can do to help the parents sort of shield their children from the conflict that conflict that's normative. It's absolutely normative to have conflict between parents during the divorce process. But whatever we can do to shield the children from seeing that divorce conflict is uh, what we aim to do. 
So I think the whole focus of your program is to put children first or (laughs) teach parents how to put children first and put their own emotions aside for a moment in front of the children, at least. I I love the idea of starting early because um, one of the hard things about people deciding whether to divorce is how to handle the kids. Right. You know, their, their loss of their kids access to the kids on a regular basis. And obviously, most parents know how difficult divorce will be on children. So they feel badly about that. And that holds them back from getting divorced, which it should, I mean, it really Mm -hmm. should. And you help them work through that process of thinking about restructuring. That's a good way to looking at it. Restructuring. Yeah, so we have a we have a program called CORE, which is, you know, C-O-R-E, and it stands for co-parenting restructuring. And the idea is you were co-parenting together when you were, you know, an intact family, and you're still going to have to co-parent. And we're just going to restructure that slightly. So that's really maybe kumbaya. (laughs) If you people come to our office and they want to do this jointly and together, sometimes people come to our office because they have good attorneys like you, Hindel, and they say, this is... I promise you, I've been in this field for X amount of years. This is not the path you want to go down for your children. Let's get somebody in to help us think through this in a thoughtful way. So Mm -hmm. it's not uncommon for us to meet with parties and their attorneys in a collaborative type way to sit down and say, all right, you know, parent A, what is it that you're looking for? Parent B, what is it that you're looking for? Has anybody talked to the kids? (laughs) You know, how are the kids feeling? And for us to kind of let the voice of the child come through a little bit. Yeah, there is some good research to show how important it is to have the voice of the child heard. And you have to do it delicately because you don't want to put the kids in the middle of their parents divorce either. So there's this really good balance between allowing the children to express their views and having some impact on parent decision making, but letting them have a voice and not a choice and Mm -hmm. setting that stage that it's not their decision to make what's happening, but they are able to to communicate with their parents about what's working and what's not working for them. Yeah, that I noticed there's been a very slow trend in court with the court mm-hmm. staff being able to interview children through the probation department, similar mm-hmm. to what you're suggesting privately in your mm-hmm. boutique firm. And uh, it's nice that the children do have a voice, but then it's filtered through the court personnel and therefore to the judge. But kids never appear in court. Kids are not allowed to testify or talk to the judge directly. So it is, um, I really appreciate what you're doing, giving the children a voice. So how do you do that? How do you give the children a voice? No, it's a great question. Um, So the probation that has value, but you're actually bringing the child often to the probation department, which is in the courthouse itself. So you're setting sort of a tone there of maybe something's going on with mom and dad that's not, that's kind of outside of their control. It's similar when parents say they do like a parenting transition at a police department. The the message is sort of, yeah, the message is there's something unsafe here. There's something Mm -hmm. not great between my parents. Mm -hmm. So uh, we try to you know, keep that out. So what I will tell parents is we say something to the kids like, you know, my name is Premila. I work with parents who are no longer together to help them make good decisions for you. And Mm -hmm. they're working really hard to make good decisions and they're doing that together and they want to hear a little bit from you. So Mm -hmm. um, tell me about, you know, what do you like to do? What's working? What makes you happy at mom's house? What makes you happy at mother's house? Like really talking through the things that are bothering them and I'm clear Mm -hmm. with them what you say to me I'll tell your parents so if you Mm -hmm. don't want to say something to me don't and if there's a question you don't want to answer don't answer it but Mm -hmm. if there's something that you want to say to your parents I'm here and I'm willing to help you phrase it and sometimes they need help kind of processing what they want to say and so I can help them 
tie it in a nice bow and deliver it to their parents in a way that may be helpful to get the parties toward settlement. So for example, it's not uncommon for the kids to say, I really miss having the holidays all together. Uh So that's a hard thing for parents because they probably miss that too. And so Uh if I have that knowledge and I can sit down at the table with the parents and say, is there something we can craft here? Mm -hmm. Is there something where, you know, the child has the morning with one parent and the evening with the other parent? Is Mm -hmm. there something in the middle where maybe we can do, they have all these fun, um, like holiday markets. Is there something where you all can be in a public setting for an hour to allow that child to have that experience in a place that feels comfortable for everybody. But you only get 18 years of birthdays and holidays. And so trying to remind the parents that this is their childhood and can you kind of suck it up for an hour or two to give your kid that childhood memory. Oh, that's a wonderful strategy. You have to be so sensitive to speaking to both the child and then mm-hmm. delivering that information to a parent in a delicate mm-hmm. way because the child may have said something that the parent certainly doesn't want to hear. Sure. Uh, it's wonderful. And the setting is not the courthouse when you do it. It's something right. private and comfortable and not threatening. Right, yeah. So they can come right. to our office. We'll go to houses if that is needed. And yeah, we'll play games with them. And the goal really, so we have a a range of services, including family therapy. So sometimes um, families just come with us for a while to think of those, think through those things. How are they going to go to parent teacher conferences together? How are they going to do birthdays together? What's working? What's not working and help everybody process this shift in their family. And there's also a grief here, right? There's the loss of a relationship, the loss of a family unit. So it's not uncommon that everybody in the family will need a little bit of support. Mm -hmm. So your, your firm offers individual counseling, group counseling, family therapy, discernment counseling you mentioned, which was helping someone decide whether to pursue the divorce, right? Right. And so today is one of several episodes we're going to have of where we're talking to you and your colleagues um, about options. But so we thought we'd structure today as far as time, you know, things you do kind of at the beginning, when you're thinking about getting divorced and then what other paths may take. So if it begins up being a high conflict divorce, it takes a different, a different yeah. turn, doesn't it? Yeah. And so I, th- go ahead. There's something in the middle, which is there's litigation, but mm-hmm. still support needed. So from my point of view, from the divorce you know, attorney point of view, the services you're offering are wonderful from the beginning, maybe best at the beginning to yep. set it up for success, but can be used at any time. Just you may get people when the conflict has already risen to a terrible level. Right. And so that means you have to work that much harder to calm everybody down, right? Right. So it's it's true. You can kind of think of things on a spectrum from the people who have very low conflict um, to people who I, I think it's fairly normative conflict. Divorce is hard. It's not uncommon for people to have some sort of litigation. And what I mean by that is, you know, somebody's filed for a complaint for divorce. They may have a couple of temporary orders. That's probably the normative of what we see. It's not super common that we see the very, very collaborative kind of kumbaya cases. We do see a, a lot of high conflict cases, but that's just because that's what my business targets. The reality is most cases, the high conflict cases is about 10% but it does take up about 90% of the court's time. So our goal is to try to help there. But if we're thinking about this on a spectrum of like the lower the lower conflict um, through the higher conflict services that we offer, so the lower conflict, like that discernment counseling, where do you want to go? We have individual therapy, so a parent that might be processing 
the loss of the relationship, a parent who might be working on how to co-parent. So we have therapy. We also just have coaching. So sometimes parents don't want to meet with us on a regular basis, but they're having trouble responding to a co-parent. Perhaps that co-parent is nasty and they received a nasty gram and they need to learn how to respond to that person in a way that um, is good for their own mental health. So there's that. So people might come to us for individual coaching, individual therapy. That could be a child. It could be a parent. They might come to us for co-parenting coaching. So they recognize, hey, you know, we're going down a path. It's a little hard for us right now. We want to work with somebody for that. Around there, you might start thinking about family therapy um, to get that voice of the child in. And then we start around here shifting more to that middle of the road litigation type services where we might be thinking about somebody like a parenting coordinator. And the difference there between a parent coach is a parent coach is really a facilitator. So helping the parents have conversations together, helping them think through problems and explore solutions. But at the end of the day, if a resolution can't be jointly made, the conversation stops essentially. And so then what are their options? They can go back to their lawyers, they can go back to the court, or, you know, somebody quits. <laughs> so the next step would be to consider somebody like a parenting coordinator. And the way we do our parenting coordinator is coordination work is exactly the same as the parent coaching work. So our goal is to like lead everybody up to the water and hope that they drink and hope that they figure out how to come to an agreement together. Yeah. Uh, and if they can't, we'll make that decision for them. Uh-huh. And that decision becomes binding on them unless a court overturns it. Important to have it binding because yeah. uh, they, you just keep going in circles for a while. Yesterday I had a situation with a, a, the clients. I represent the mother. And we're almost, we're at the end of our negotiations pretty much with a hearing in December, which is a month from now. And uh, everything had been settled, but a, a medical issue has come up. Mm-hmm. Suddenly a medical issue has come up. So we've resolved all the financial issues. The parenting plan has been going fine. Actually, both parents, each parent has 50, essentially 50% of the time. I think they're a week on and week off. And the child's doing pretty well, except this issue has come up, which isn't really medical. It's the kid's refusing to go to school yeah. when with the father. Only with the father. So the father thinks there's something medically wrong with the child and has taken him for all sorts of testing. And the mother says there's nothing wrong with the child. He's fine when he's with me. So we're trying to resolve that. I actually have referred them to you. Yeah. Um, okay, to thanks. See, <laughs> yeah, this is one. And the child's only, you know, 12. So I yeah. can see other things that might come up in the next years. Yeah. So there's a lot there, right? So the child may have, I don't know where you are in the process if this is a modification or the original divorce. divorce. So, right, this child's gone through a lot of transitions right now and going to school is just another transition. So it's possible this child has some some anxiety and we're working through that. This would be a great case for family therapy. What Mm -hmm. get the parents involved here? What does this child need? There are some things that mom might be doing that are really successful to get this kid off to school. It doesn't mean dad is doing anything wrong, but this Mm -hmm. child has specific needs and unfortunately when you have the backdrop of the court people are prone to think you're blaming me you're saying it's my fault and it doesn't have to be that way it can still instead of being um it should be attack the problem not attack your co-parent and the problem here is we have an anxious child presumably or a child who's struggling with transitions and how do we as a unit help this child yeah, it's perfect. And your and your firm offers so many services. It's important for you to be able to kind of zero in on what a family needs, as you just did with family therapy. Yeah. yeah. So we like to talk to the the attorneys and get you know a fifteen. We offer free fifteen minute inquiry calls to help them do that. To sometimes people come in and say, you know, I need X, Y, and Z, and you start talking to them and you're like, Do you really? I don't think you need that huge service. Like it seems yeah. like you just need a little help over this hump. <laughs> mm. Do you have many emergencies? 
Uh, we don't have a lot of emergencies, and that's, that's I think, by design. If it's an emergency, you're going to the police or you're going to your attorney. But mm-hmm. for the most part, we are trying to help people be less reactive emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so be thoughtful, be um, in a good headspace to communicate with your co-parent if you need, if you're having trouble with that. I'm happy to process emergencies with people, but for the most part, you know, we're the therapeutic provider. So if an emergency happens, then we, we work through that with them afterwards. Right. It's also part of the therapeutic process is having them not be reactive and wait till the next therapeutic <laughs> session to discuss it, right? Well, and with our high conflict cases in particular, boundaries is really important. That's mm. something we're teaching them and we actually have to model. You don't have to respond to your co-parent's nasty gram in that moment. Mm-hmm. What's a healthy way to ha- sort of have your boundaries? Similarly, we have a lot of cases and I'm not going to be able to get back to you in that precise moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do purposely have cases where I might wait to respond because mm-hmm. I know that they they are reactive and in a little bit they will have a better maybe eye on the problem. For sure. All right. So sometimes, uh, you know, people come in asking for one thing and you recommend something different because you can, you can hear what the problem is sure. better. Yeah. All right. So, so let's talk about, um, we're talking about the spectrum of collaborative cases. Ones are relatively easy. Parents are cooperative. They both recognize that there's some issues they both have to attack. Neither, neither feels terribly blamed or resentful. They're both willing to participate. That's a lovely scenario. <laughs> Wish it would happen more often. And then there's the litigation scenarios where the people just, you know, pretty much run into court for services when in fact, for child-related services, that is, when in fact they should be running to your office. And then the highly conflict uh, cases where, you know, you need a GAL or a parent coordinator, right? How do you handle the high conflict ones? Yeah, I mean, I think the high conflict cases are actually a really good um, opportunity to talk through when people call and say, we need X, Y, and Z, and I might be able to pivot them a little bit. So it's not uncommon for attorneys to call and say, we need a GAL. And the reality is the GAL, so a GAL, um, in Massachusetts, they're called GAL, but more internationally, it's known as a child custody evaluation. So those are um, really intrusive processes they're very expensive and they're very time consuming and it's not uncommon for us to do that report which is typically a 60 page report and then wait for trial a year later and suddenly the data is stale so it's not uncommon for people to ask us for a GAL report when really they're looking for the voice of the child Mm. and so I'm able to pivot them a little bit and say you know what are the issues here and is this something that we could do on a shorter time frame that's less intrusive we offer a product where it's a little bit more like an interactive GAL where we work with the attorneys and they kind of assign us, all right, we'd like you to talk to the parties. We'd like you to talk to the children and we'd like you to review the school records and then come sit with us and talk to us about what might be an appropriate educational plan for this child. Mm -hmm. So you can do that in the GAL route, which would take many months and many dollars and um, people feel adversarial or I can shift it slightly and encourage them to come to the table. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't cases where a GAL is appropriate. So what we also do, one of the more conflictual work that we do are cases where there are parent-child contact problems or resist-refuse cases. Um, In those cases, there's a child that's refusing or resisting to see a parent. Um, And those are really hard cases, and there are a lot of emotions in those cases. And And the parents are very desperate. The parents are desperate. Yeah. There's one parent usually who's concerned for safety. There's another parent that feels like they're being blamed for something and that's usually a systems issue we have to look at the entire problem so those type cases it's not uncommon that a GAL report might be needed Mm -hmm. Um, but we also 
the GAL report is going to end up saying reunification therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so another option would be to say, let's kind of skip the whole report. Can both parents agree that this is a problem we want to tackle? And let's talk about how we're going to tackle it collaboratively. Yeah. Yeah. But there are cases, you know, if there's substance use and we're worried about safety, we do psych testing in my um, organization. So sometimes there are mental health concerns where psych testing might be appropriate. Those are not the normative cases, but they happen. Yeah. What about in high conflict cases where the child won't speak to you? Or go yeah. to therapy? It's not happened all that often. Uh, typically, it's not really the child's fault. <laughs> so typically, the work for these types of cases is the co-parenting work. So in those cases, let's say dad is the favorite parent, right? The parent that has the child and the other parent is not seeing the child. My job is to work with that parent to say, you know, your, your child's going through something. They're very expressive by refusing to see their other parent. They're saying something. They're maybe not saying it in the most, most healthy way. Mm -hmm. Can you work with me to help them see maybe a healthy way of expressing this and perhaps therapy could be appropriate for them? So mm -hmm. I really start with the parents. So it might start with individual work there. So I'm working with the out parent in that regard on being patient with the in parent. I'm coaching them on how to open their child up to the possibility of exploring what this might look like. And then co-parenting work. That child may be resistant to see a parent because of the unknown. Meaning, if I see that parent, am I suddenly going to get taken away from my other parent? Mm. And so if we're able to help the co-parents simmer everything down a little bit, like, dear mm -hmm. Johnny, we want you to work together on this. We want you to have healthy and happy relationships with both parents. We mm -hmm. are only seeking, like right now, that you have dinner with your other parent. You know, something like in that co-parenting front. So if a child is refusing to see me, there's a reason for it, and their nonverbal communication is quite strong there. So I'm going to look at the system before I look at the child. I'm not going to force a child to do anything, but yeah. I usually can maneuver that child by maneuvering the system. Wow. Really look very carefully at all the signs, you know, <laughs> the things that are not said but are done and right. how, to, how to read them. That's where right. the training comes in. Yeah. Well, the high conflict divorces are so painful to for the for the families. I mean, or everyone particularly. Right. I don't you know have I don't have any contact with the children as their divorce attorney for one of the parents. And right. Yet I know how awful it must be for that child at home or children. And right. Then, and, and of course, each child has their own perspective on things. Right. Yeah, that's challenging when you bring in the sibling relationships, and those are the mm -hmm. heartbreaking cases where um, the siblings start getting maybe separated from each other. I do actually have a case where one parent each has one child. So mm -hmm. not only do they not have a relationship with their parent, one parent, they are losing their relationship with their sibling. Mm -hmm. um, and they're heartbreaking cases. They are sad. And the judges, you know, they do their best, but they don't have a lot of time. They don't have case. a lot of time. They have a ton of cases that come their way. Mm -hmm. um, and these cases require... Um, the skill that we use is motivational interviewing, which is you're, you know, you're, you're capable of better than this. And mm -hmm. so they require sort of this like buildup of people's esteem and their ability to believe that they can create a better future for themselves and for their families. Mm -hmm. You have to hope. So how can parents um, do better? Uh, be better parents, whether knowing that the divorce is coming or at least thinking about it? What do you suggest that parents do? Yeah, I, I think the most, so remembering that the co-parenting conflict is the worst thing that can happen to the kids, doing whatever you can do to make sure the kids don't see any of that. It's not expected that you won't have conflict with your co-parent, but when they say, when a child says to you, hey, I want to go to Washington, D.C. on a field trip, 
using a response of, let me talk to your co-parent and then I'll get back to you. By saying that, you're saying to the child, you know, mom and dad are going to talk about this and we'll get back to you. And then mom and dad can go fight about it elsewhere. (laughs) They can fight about it in my office. They can fight about it in your office. And then they come back to the kid and they say, mom and dad have decided you're not going to DC. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, neither parent is made the bad guy. The Mm -hmm. kid doesn't get stuck in any sort of loyalty bind. They're really sheltered from all of this. Um, I think parents need to take care of themselves. It's real. It's kind of like when you're on the airplane, right? And you have to put your mask on before you can put on the kid's mask. Yeah. So you yourself have to be in a good mental headspace so that you can deal with your co-parent in a productive way. You're modeling for your child how to deal with your co-parent and the family dynamics. Um, and more importantly, a, a life skill. So if you have a difficult co-parent, your child's going to have a difficult professor one day or a difficult mm-hmm. teacher or a difficult boss. And so you're modeling behaviors that hopefully your child will learn. I I do ask that parents focus on their behavior rather than their co-parents' behavior. The reasoning being you don't have control over your co-parents' behavior, but you do have control over your own behavior. So what are you doing that can influence change? Um, And at the end of the day, I think just to remember that these kids are going through a lot of transitions and it's anxiety inducing. And so to the extent that you're able to be proactive with your co-parent and then say to the kids, okay, this is the plan. This is what Mm -hmm. we're doing. And then the kids, it's a joint decision. We've talked through it. This is what's happening. There's Mm -hmm. less up in the air. Um, And the kids can latch onto that. Kids change schools often. They change teachers often. They're okay with transitions. They just need to see that stability from their parents. Yeah. That modeling um, comment you made, everything you said is so impressive, but the modeling comment is something I talk about a lot at all of, because I, I, I'm dealing with a parent. Right, I'm just dealing right. with one person, which right. is that parent. You know, you're, you're modeling what it's like to be a parent to your child. Right. You know, you're teaching them something, so don't, don't act stupid. Right. I don't say that. Of course, don't do bad things. Think about how you act, because the, the ways you act in front of your children are teaching them something. Well, and that's right. right. That's what the risks are for these kids who have parents from high-conflict families. They're at risk for, you know, risky sexual behaviors, um, increased substance use, poor academic performance, poor social relationships themselves. So you're absolutely right right to say you're sort of laying the foundation for what their future family might look like Mm -hmm. um, and how do you want to teach them. And it's okay that your family isn't intact, but this will always be their parent. Um, I always love the co-parents that still send each other Mother's Days and Father's Day cards. It's a painless way. You don't even have to see your co-parent, but it's a painless way to say to them and to your children, this person is important and therefore I I care for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. That and birthday cards. It's a simple thing, right? Cost of a stamp, eventually. Yep. Yeah. Sends a nice message. So many simple ways of being kind or respectful to the other parent. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the first of many interesting conversations mm-hmm. I think we can have because the subject is so deep and it takes so much skill to really get to the heart of the issues and put families back together again after they're coming apart. The seams. So um, how can our listeners get t- in touch with you and your services? So we're in uh, our primary offices in Canton. So we're SD Family Services in Canton. And that website is sdfsmass.com. Uh, and our number is 781-789-0676. So you can call pretty much any time <laughs> and we'll get yeah. back to you as soon as possible. And then I hope you take a look at our website. There are a number of services and we try to describe the difference um, in those services. But we're available too for you to call and say, I kind of think I need this. And for us to try to help you sort out what service might be most appropriate for you and your family. 
Yeah, when I um, I looked at your website and it's mm -hmm. got great detail, but you know, for it's hard for people the to discern what services they need. And I can imagine they do call, you know, we're calling for family therapy or we're calling for individual therapy or calling for a GAL report. But really, they should just use that 15-minute uh, consultation time to say, we're in trouble. <laughs> what do you suggest? So, yeah. Right? I, I mean, often they come to us because of attorneys. So an attorney will say, like, so there's a little bit of direction in that regard. Yeah. You know, our attorney is recommending that we use a parenting coordinator. Our attorney is recommending that we do family therapy. What does that look like? And so there's a little bit of direction. But if you're coming to us before you have an attorney, yeah, get, like, just call us and say, what? This is what's happening. I need a little bit of help, and we're happy mm -hmm. to help you. Yeah, but, you know, attorneys can be wrong, too. So we may direct mm -hmm. our clients to get something that it isn't the right there's the right option for that moment and there may right. be other services they need for success. Well, good. So Premela, your name yes. is unusual, P-R-E-M-E-L-A, right? Yes, that's right. I, I, I like other unusual names, <laughs> too. Constantly spelling mine. All right, well, we'll be in touch for a future uh, recording and have you and your staff as guests. Thank you Great, so thank much you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye.